Randy, thank you for coming on the show. Nice to finally meet you. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. This is cool. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, for the viewer, for the listener that may not know who Randy Lee Kennedy is, who R.L. Kennedy is, um, go ahead and give them a little bit of a tidbit on uh, who you are, like uh, books, uh, life, where you live, like who who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I could go on. Um, yeah. Oh, so please do. I mean, we Randy got time. My real name. I know people are terrified when they see it like on the internet and nobody knows how to pronounce it, but it's Randy Lee. So I just go by Randy to keep it simple for people. Sure. Um, I'm from Nevada. I grew up outside of Reno, kind of around Lake Tahoe. I uh, went to school at Arizona State, kind of moved around. I was a radio DJ for like 10 years. So oh, cool. that was my life path. And then I got older and that was exhausting. I thought I was going to be clubbing when I was 40 and living the high life. Um, so that kind of DJ, like that kind of like. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, top 40 hits and, you know, party all night. And and then oh, by like, wow. 20, I can't stay up that late. I'm getting old. Um <laughs> Well, I've been working at a law office. So I work full time. I'm in Indiana now. I actually took a radio job out here and then met an Indiana boy and then never left. And a couple oh. kids. Family life out. It's the almost a journey song. Almost. <laughs> there was almost a. Oh, oh, I was so close, Randy. Indiana so prefers John Mellencamp, as I've come to learn since he was like born here and he's like a god here. I don't know. That was new to me. Got it. I mean, I, technically, depending on what part of Indiana, he could be a small town boy. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's not South Detroit, but you know, it, you know, but, uh, that's a whole, that's a whole nother conversation for another day, I think. <laughs> so, um, your work, so the underground series that you've done, um, starting with Sh shelter below, uh, they've been popping, um, congratulations. Um, reviews are coming in really, really nicely. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did just finish the series. Yes. The the series last okay. Yeah, it was, that's probably the most fun I've had writing a series and it just like flew out of my brain. You know, it was just a really fun ride. Awesome. That's usually a very, very good sign that you've A, done good work and B, <laughs> maybe have found your niche genre that you just kind of can yeah. flourish in without uh, putting in more effort than is, I would say needed because I've, I've, I've gone outside of my comfort zone several times to write other stories and um i've had some struggles here and there putting the stories together because it's just that little different process based on the pacing of the story or uh locations and that kind of stuff so um action adventure i know i can put together pretty easily just because i'm i love it and i'm used to it and it's just easy for well easier for me right. ha -ha, easy for me i don't want to be that guy <laughs> but uh no, but when I, I can tell when I put together these stories, there's just certain stories that I just find myself doing so much better in from the get go. Yes. Um, and usually when you can find something like that, when you can, I guess, the self-realization of it. Uh, wow, that was a lot easier than maybe some other books have. That's that's kind of cool. That, that That's a good thing to process. So uh, congratulations for that. But uh um, anything else coming down the pike for you as far as the, the, the same type of um, genres, same type of stuff? I'm sticking with it. I did um, Clean Romance for a while, which is another mm -hmm. one of my loves. And that is a little bit in my post-apocalyptic work. There's still some of that that kind of bleeds over because everything I write has a little bit of that undertone just because my favorite it's... in films, there's always a love story. And not necessarily like man, woman, romantic. It could be father, son, yeah. you know, 
grandparent, grandchild, and it just that like human connection for me is really important. So yeah, it's the human element of the story. So I mean, yeah, yeah. absolutely. For post-apoc, you know, it's obviously mm -hmm. a lot of what ifs and fiction there, but I like to try to make it as real as possible with real people sure. going through something that we haven't been through yet, if it happens. But yeah, mm -hmm. so <laughs> yeah. the bleed over of the what ifs, but you know, reality of real people and what I would do, and you know, that kind of thing. So it's oh yeah, no, and that's 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 key because that's like um, you get into certain stories, and it's like you have like your creature features, for instance, where obviously the story itself is very much heavily centered around the monster mm -hmm. and very much expected. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when you have um, stories where you can even like, uh, I, I guess in post-apoc, the, the best example would be like the last of us. Um, so those video games are like, they're legendary in today's world now because a, they won game of the year, both games won game of the year, but they are known, the production company behind it, which is Naughty Dog, which also did the Uncharted series, they are known for their unbelievable writing. Um, and the post-apocalyptic series, The Last of Us, yes, it's a monster series, it's a, it's a horror series, but man, those characters, you fall for them and you care about what happens to them. And it's like, it's, so, it's emotional, it's gut-wrenching. But it's also badass and action-packed and horrific at the same time. So it's like you can you can blend in that human element into anything. It's just whether you as the writer in this case choose to. And that's what makes or break something for me when I read it sure. or watch or listen to a song or whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. that's what gets me. So that's what I try to do because that's what I like. So yeah, I do the same thing. I mean, all, all of the books that I've put together I, I can't even really think of one that i haven't um they're 100 character driven and uh they have to be or else i just i if, if i can't connect with the character i feel like it's just all for naught you know right and i did the same thing with uh with uh post-apocalyptic with my dead moon series which will be getting republished shortly and um it's the same idea it's it's i tell people it's the most horrific endearing love story you'll ever read. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, no, the, the central theme of the, of at least the first book was, um, a marriage being rekindled by a horrific world event. Um, mm -hmm. because it was bicker, bicker, bicker. They fell out of love with each other. Um, their jobs got in the way. They're just too tired to make it work anymore. And then the world ends. I love it. Yeah. And all of a sudden they realize like, I can't do this alone. Right. Like, and that like the end of the world, like reinvigorated their love for each other because they realized how stupid they've been uh, wasting all this time. And now it, so there, and I've had people message me. They're like, the underlying story behind this was so emotional and like, so like real. I and I'm like, well, yeah, I, I did it on purpose. It's like I went out of my way to make sure that these people mattered, you know? That's that's and, good. It takes the end of the world sometimes for people to come to You know why? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. And 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 that's okay. Like I I I have I've told authors and uh maybe up and coming authors, I'll say. I mean, I'm not the oldest veteran in this industry. I've done it for about eight, nine years now. That's but right. uh I, and I said, the best thing you can do is humanize your characters. It's the number one compliment that I've gotten is that readers said, 
I can identify with your characters no matter who they are. And that's just because I've gone out of my way to make sure that the, that the backstory was legitimate. And it, it's a big deal to the reader. Because I mean, if it's a big deal to us as the author, I mean, we're also readers, right? right? So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, and you obviously have the, the same the same outlook on your characters. Definitely. Yeah. So no, it's, that's, that's good. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that honestly, because uh, it's it, some people, they, they, they're not, um, they're not like aware of that. And that, that's like the self-awareness that um, a writer really needs. And um, it's, it's just refreshing to hear that, especially in the post-apocalyptic genre. Um, I like that a lot, but um, so um, what is, uh, what is next for you with, uh, with the underground kind of being wrapped up? Uh, now that I just finished that, I'm kind mm -hmm. of, thinking about that. And I'm, I just accidentally started something, which I do, you know, I'll sit down to write and then all of a sudden I'm 40,000 words in and like, Oh, I didn't know I was going to be starting a new book today. Yep. Um, but yep. You don't have to go into super deep detail. I don't, I don't, cause th that <laughs> I, it, it's a, it's a very, very like trap question. And I don't mean that. It, like it's not a secret, but I don't really know yet what it is. I'm one of those people. I'm a pantster. So I kind of just yeah. let it flow out. Sure. And sure. I, yeah, have an idea where it's going, but um, it's still post-apocalyptic. I, I like the power grid going down. I just, I really like the idea. It's so realistic to me and so plausible. And, and the more I've been in this mindset, you know, you take note of all these crazy things happening around us and, you know, yep. California now with this heat wave and their power grid may go down and not allowed to charge their electric cars. Exactly. And I, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I had to say it. No? <laughs> I had to say it. I'm sorry. I didn't. I love you, California. But no, I know. But I love the idea of how dependent we are on technology. And I think yeah. that that's almost more catastrophic for mankind than oh, yeah. like, alien invasion and stuff. Like we have our own problems of real, you know, could happen at any moment. Oh, of course. And I just think yeah. that that's cool for being so far fetched. But like, is it? You know, that. No. that my mind and I love that. Yeah, no, that's it's it's actually kind of terrifying sometimes when you think about it because it 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 doesn't take a nuclear holocaust, it doesn't take a North Korean missile, it doesn't take it doesn't take it. It can just it can just happen because of the death by a thousand paper cuts kind of thing. Like one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. grid is down and we are absolutely boned. <laughs> I mean I it's love just what ifs because that's just incredible to me so i just I, I love that idea oh yeah yeah and i do the same thing but i i do it with the the historical background so it's the same idea it's it's the what ifs of history right so it's it, it's the same idea it's like oh well that would be really cool to write about but what if blah 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 was happening instead or what if uh the first jack riley book what if uh the nazi gold train really did exist and the Nazis were that close to dipping into its value before um, they sur surrendered to the allies. It's like, what if, you know, it's like, wow, that would have changed the world uh, as we know it because of financing their front. Yeah. But being able to do that. So it, it's being able to add in that what if question to really any scenario, um, especially when you're talking about like end times and like that kind of stuff. And I mean, that's that alone, just that one question is is a series. Absolutely. I love it. No, that's awesome. And I've, I've dabbled like, like my dead moon series. Um, I've dabbled in that type of stuff, but I guess for me, it's like, I, I like that style because it's very like in the moment and it's like, you know, the day to day lives of those people matter, uh, because it's like, it's a, it's a change 
in their in their life, you know, and like their personal life, the outlook on their life. It's like, oh, wow, I used to do this and now all of that's gone. And now what do I do? Right. You know, and that's 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 a tall task, too. So, I mean, if you can get pretty decent at writing that uh, genre, that's that's it's impressive because it's it's not easy because it's it's a lot of what if, like you said. Yeah. But that also makes it easy because you can kind of just this is what I think, you know, this is what I imagine it to be like, you know. Oh, of course. Yeah. So saying that, saying you you said you were a, a pantser and uh, uh, people know by now because I've asked I ask this question all the time is uh, the, the the two major sides of the author uh, it, branch, I guess, is the Uber outliner who writes the book before they write the book. Mm -hmm. And then there's the pantser, someone that writes a seat from the seat of their pants. Uh, I identify someone who's kind of in the middle. I don't overly outline. Um, I outline enough to get the story started and then to kind of see where it wants to go. Um, and then I'll have like scenes that I want to add in later in the book. Cause I just think they're really cool. And I want to make sure they actually fit into the story. Seems pretty um, well I mean, I, that's a little more, you know? Yeah. Fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't have like the Excel spreadsheet, so <laughs> I know. I, I, and... Yeah. I know a few people that do that and it's like literally, <laughs> Oh, here's the Excel of the outline. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I show on every show. I'm yellow ledger pad guy. Yeah. So I literally buy stacks of them from Office well, Depot or wherever. And speaking that's what of I use. Pads, this series is the first series that I ever typed. I handwrite all my books. And that was always a big thing for me is I love the act of actually writing. So about four or five legal pads is, you know, 80 to 100,000 words. Oh my God. That would handwrite everything. So in my office, I just have stacks and stacks of all the legal pads from all the books I've written. And I thought I was just so eager to write this that I just sat down one day at a computer. I was like at a writing retreat and it just flowed so quickly that I didn't go back. And so I don't know if that helped my productivity or made it faster or whatever, but it was just kind of a different process for me typing it all first instead of handwriting it. And then the going back to type it and changing things, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Cause there's always, um, studies about writing versus typing and how writing ingrains it in your memory faster and deeper uh mm -hmm. with anything in life like you know writing a letter or writing your notes down versus typing them into your phone and then forgetting that they're there six months later you know if you write it down on a piece of paper you're more apt to remember what you wrote um and it, that's just the modern age of showed you my phone right now i can't because it's but there are post-it notes on the back of the list of the things i need to do my grocery list i don't use my phone because i like to write out what i need and then i can you know so. oh, yeah. i i'll use my phone just if i'm out and about and i don't have another choice if i'm laying in bed and i'm like am i really gonna go up go into my office and get a ledger pad and then come back to bed and I, i've done it i've actually slept with a ledger pad next to my side of the bed for a couple of years actually yeah, i've done that notebooks by my bed right now i have one in my car i keep one in my purse i'm that girl i just there. yeah no i've done it i've done it believe me uh but uh so no that's interesting that you've actually you've actually put together your entire story on ledger pads that's i've i've honestly never heard of that not not that i've talked to every author out there but the the, the people that i have even before i started doing this show uh, I, like I know a lot of people like me that just have the pads and that's what they use for their notes. And that's what they use for like more, I guess their outline, but, uh, writing an entire story by hand and multiple is that's insane. That's, <laughs> that's insane, Randy. Just my life's always been on the go. You know, I'm writing at soccer practice. I'm writing in the car on the way to pick up. So I don't always necessarily have a laptop and a plug and, 
you know, I'm literally writing in line at the grocery store and I can just pull out a notebook and I'm there with my legal pad at the doctor's office, you know, cause I can't take my laptop in and I'm just writing my book. So I thought for me, it was like very accessible for me to be able to get words down in weird places. Yeah. No, the phone, is, the phone is too tiny for me to be like typing in Google docs on a phone. So the, the notebook yeah. works. Yeah, no, I've done that. Like I just literally use like the notes app. It's just the one that comes on the phone and <laughs> I'm just like I'll have like a set of dialogue that I want to like incorporate. And it's like, oh, if these two care, you know, just random, ran horribly random scenes. And I'll literally just write like J colon what he says, <laughs> M colon what she says. And then I'll have like a little where are they or what are they doing? Like that type of stuff. And then it's because it's like I'm very much um, – scene oriented like movie oriented so it's like i see it from like the director's chair I agree. Um, yeah so it's like i'll see the scene first that's why it's like when i'm um putting a story together so this i'll lead in with this too so uh for the for the next bit so when when i like put a story together um since most of my books are uh some type of world travel um i very 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 much like hung on the location so uh like the book i i'm currently um getting published is based on my version of shangri-la so it's based in like nepal tibet like that area or in the himalayas have you been there to any of no no i'm not a big see this is what's dumb is i'm not a big traveler uh even though like my entire world is based on the thing behind me right and uh, i'm a traveler and i'm so terrified even though i've been to 30 countries and all the states and i'm terrified to write in another location that i haven't spent a lot of time in or that i'm not currently in because i think what if it's changed and then you know i get murdered for not getting it right yeah so, yeah i mean that's uh, it's a, the unfortunate part of this business is uh the you're always going to have the critics uh whether you do something phenomenal or not so right. uh but uh yeah, no. And so like the location is so important to me. So it's like, I'll, I'll usually find the location first um, and then go, Ooh, I want to write a story about that because I've never written about, you know, the Amazon or I've never written about uh, in like, I'll see a beautiful fjord in Norway and go, Ooh, that's cool. You know, <laughs> like I want to write about that. It's beautiful because like the scenery is so important in like the travel action adventure, you know, archeological thriller as we call them now. Um, so I was wondering, like, so like with you, um, with, I guess in this case, in this specific genre in the post-apoc, um, when it comes to like putting down the story, like, obviously you have like whatever the disaster is going to be like the central, like idea of the book. But as far as like locations are concerned, like, obviously this is something that's, um, I'm not sure if, if it's like just us based or if it's global in this case. But if it is, like, where do you go from there? Definitely U.S.-based, because that's, like, my comfort zone. Um, for me, the interesting thing is these ideas kind of came to me. I grew up rural in Nevada, middle of nowhere, and we had a super weird neighbor who started prepping and building a treehouse so he could see the government coming to take over. And then he started underground, <laughs> and he built a bunker, and it caved in because of the snow, and... And he spent his life savings doing it. And then the house was eventually foreclosed on because he couldn't pay his bills because he was dumping thousands of dollars into his structure. And then the government came and dug it all up and the banks, you know, got rid of it. And, and that was rural, but Nevada. Well, now that I'm out in the Midwest, 
I've come across even more people kind of with that mindset. And just, I think the rural setting for me, wherever you are, it's not necessarily a state or the Midwest or any particular area, but I think the more rural you are, the more maybe like-minded people you have with the resources, you know, people with gardens, people with, you know, maybe that mindset of prepping for whatever may come. So I think my books in this type of setting, my mind just goes rural because that's my experience. I've never lived in a high rise. You know, I, I go to Chicago all the time, but thinking of the power grid going down there is like too messy for me. You know, that's, that's going to be a mess. <laughs> yeah. And that was this setting of, um, the first dead moon book was Manhattan. So, and I just, uh, yeah, that, that was a mess. <laughs> that was a mess. <laughs> People in crowds and you just think, it's yeah. hard to wrap my mind around chaos in a situation like that when it seems chaotic enough in the middle of nowhere. I can imagine with, you know, thousands and thousands and millions of people around. Yeah, no, it's that's that would be rough. Like, what is the movie? Um, I think it was uh, it was a deep impact um, years ago where they had the, you know, the meteor, the asteroid coming down to destroy Earth. And they sent the team up to, uh, it's basically like Armageddon, um, right. you know, that style, you know, those disaster movies from the late 90s, early Love 2000s. Sure. Love it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember in the movie where, like, the highway, it was like, I'm in Florida. So when we have a massive hurricane coming through and, like, a massive hurricane to the point to where they're, like, evacuating people. Right. Not that it happens all that often. But, um, like, the highways are just gridlock you can't go anywhere yeah. and it's like well imagine that times infinity during sure. a post-apocalyptic event when like half the people on the road are also dead Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, and not just stuck in traffic <laughs> it's like <laughs> like I, I i i'm like i'm writing that when i was when i'm doing my series and i'm like man this this sucks <laughs> it does yeah and I, and I, and that's like the uber realism of it is I try to incorporate it. So it's like here, like our major highways are like the Florida Turnpike and like I-95 mm -hmm. on the East Coast. And I'm like, well, number one, those are completely and utterly unusable. Because right. uh, in this case, everybody's going to try and use them because the East, you know, the, the coast of Florida is where everyone lives. Exactly. So they're going to, so in my case, my guys, they come down here in the second book because this is where all my characters are, are, or my two main characters are originally based is in South Florida. And um, they go west and they go across the state to the west coast and they take like some of like the country roads out there. And I'm like, well, if I'm them, that's probably what I'm going to do because A, I live here. So I, I know what to avoid during terrible traffic. Right. And B, what is realistic for a survivor? A survivor is not going to be like, oh, let's go to the most populated highway in the entire state. Absolutely. I think I'm going to get through Florida, which is just one long state. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> And if it, if you do do that, the reader's going to be like, wow, this is like awful because <laughs> this isn't the first book in the genre that they've read or the first movie they've seen. Like this is like, so you have to be very careful. And that's why I stick rural because it's even in the middle of nowhere that has its own different challenges than busy highways and, you know. Yeah. yeah. So curious um, because you, you said you've done romance and stuff, but what what drove you to like, switch gears and then try the sci-fi post-apoc stuff? Well, growing up, I mean, I was devouring Stephen King books at a very young age, probably too young now that I'm a parent. I don't know that I'm 
approved of that. Um, I always loved thriller books, you know, like Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein and all the, like, you know, when you're looking to read in middle school and high school. So I always loved that genre, but I started writing when my kids were really young and I felt some weird pull of like, well, I can't write a book that has bad words. And um, sure, it just felt weird timing to me as I'm like taking care of newborns to write something kind of dark. So you know, my other love is clean romance and it was nice and light. And I thought, oh, my children could read this someday. And now they're old enough. And I'm like, well, you know all the bad words so I can do whatever I want. And so I think I kind of finally was just like, this is what I grew up loving to read. And this is what I love writing. And I pulled out a box and I, I wrote my first book when I was nine. And I found uh -huh. it, because it written, of course, in a notebook. Yeah. I read it as an adult and it was creepy. And I thought, <laughs> okay, this held up. like. Good job, nine-year-old me. And so that was the first thriller that I published. And I just, I, I found my love again for like that genre and just, I like creeping myself out and the mystery of it and the fast-paced excitement. And it's just such a different vibe than the romance stuff. Sure. And so then the post-apocalyptic thing kind of came along and I have some friends that write in the genre and they'd been trying to get me to do it for years. And I had a story in my head based on the the neighbor that I grew up with and the crazy guy. And I'm thinking, you know, I watched this guy pour his life savings into something that the bank took because he wasn't living his life, you know, in the midst of planning for whatever he was planning for. Yeah. He was prepping for something that he never saw yeah. come to fruition. <laughs> yeah. And just that interesting mindset of it being so important to somebody that they're not present and, you know, giving up all their resources. And yeah. so that was kind of in my mind and I was just encouraged by a really good friend of mine, um, G. Stalter, she writes amazing post-apoc books and very strong female driven characters. And she just kept nudging me and nudging me. And I was like, okay, I'll write a book just for you because you're my friend and I like you. And then I just couldn't stop. Once I started, it was like, okay, I know why she's making me do this because she knew I would love it. And and it was, it's just a fun ride. Cool. So all the thoughts that were in my head, it's so like freeing just to get them on paper. And you're like, oh gosh, I've been thinking about all this stuff for years and you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I am. I guess that's what I do with the uh, action adventure stuff is, you know, you, you live vicariously through your characters, right? So it's all this world travel, all that stuff. I have no interest in doing it. Uh, I don't try. I don't, I don't, I would want to go there, but I hate travel. Oh gosh, I love traveling. I, I hate it. I, I don't <laughs> fly well. I have like inner ear problems. So I'm like in dying, like pain. Oh no. Uh, like, like daggers in my ears. Um, and driving just sucks. And, uh, I, I just, I just, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to get there. I want to be there. Like I want to experience the world. I just don't want to have to travel. <laughs> I'm very, very, very much in the horrible mindset of, of a travel action adventure author. It happens in the travel, the process to get there. And I was very lucky. My mom worked for an airline, so we flew for free growing up. So oh. I was able to travel all over the world and sometimes we didn't yeah. get where we were supposed to be going and, you know, but that was half the fun. And Yeah. I traveled a ton when I was a kid because my parents loved traveling. So it was like, we would go out, uh, like over the summer, we went out to, um, we went out to the mid or we went out to the Southwest and we went out to like Grain Junction and we went out to Nevada. We went out to, we were in Vegas for like five or six days when I was a kid stayed at treasure Island, saw the boat show from like the 20 something floor. <laughs> I mean, it was an experience. And then, you know, we're out in Colorado and we went to, uh, uh, Zion national park. We went to Vail. We went to Pikes peak. We did, we were out there for like four weeks, um, just driving 
And, uh, you know, we flew out there, got a rental, drove for three, four weeks and experienced like all of it like that. As a kid, it was fine. But now that I have to do the driving and I have the kids in the back and <laughs> like I, I don't know. I've also been like the last two times I've done any major and I mean, major driving. This is like, well, one was major driving. It was like 14 hours into Tennessee in a day. Okay. Um, and then the other drive was shouldn't have been a big deal. It was to Clearwater over in Tampa, which is like a four hour drive for me. It's like but, sideways just across the state, right? So uh yeah it's it, so tampa is directly west of orlando uh on the west coast of florida i'm down in like the southeast part of the state so i have to cross the state and then go over um so that that drive i was telling you about where i would want to travel west across the middle of the state and then up the west coast i basically did that uh the problem is is i uh blew the back tire on my car out in the middle of nowhere um and then blew the donut an hour and a half later so uh, it took me six and a half hours to make a three and a half hour drive with my kids in the back. Which um, is, yeah. Yeah. That sucked. Uh, th the trip was great. Like once we got there, it was great. Cause we got to see some good friends. We, it, it great. It was actually for my birthday. We went up there. So that was a great start to it. Memories. They're not going to remember the bad stuff. So you're still a hero and you, you know, yeah, yeah, they were great. Thank God. Cause my, my kids are nine and five. So, um, but they were great. I was shocked at how well they actually like took the issues. Um, the Tennessee drive was my own fault because I'd never done like super long distance driving um, like that before, especially with the kids. And, uh, you know, we're leaving here early in the morning and then you realize it's, oh yeah, it's 14 hours. And uh, when you get, so you're a Florida boy, grow, born and raised. Um, like I get nosebleeds at like the top of like a landfill um, <laughs> because there's no elevation here. Okay. Um, so when you decide to drive through the Smoky Mountains at midnight. And that's a drive. That's that's intense. And you're a Florida boy <laughs> and you're in a rental and you have your entire kin in your car that you're responsible for. If you decide to go off the road at midnight. Uh, yeah. And then you get into tent and then you get to your cabin and it's two in the morning. You've been on the road for 14 hours and you're like, never again. <laughs> you're just like wired and like your nerves are fried. You're like, I never want to make that drive again. And then of course, I had one of the best weeks of my life because yeah. I love that part of the, the country. I love Southern Tennessee, those mountains, the, the whole, the people, everything. So I'm like, well, the next time I make the drive, I just have to be smart and I'll leave at 10 at night and then arrive when the sun is up. And <laughs> So we're taking the kids to all 50 states. We've been to 46 already. Oh, nice. We've, nice. I say we have driven to most of them, but it's my husband driving all the time and, and he'll drive 19 hours and it's a good time and it's, he enjoys Oof. I'm narcoleptic. I'm 30 minutes in and I'm out. So I can't, <laughs> I'd be blowing tires and all sorts of to see the country. I think we're lucky to have so many different places to go that you can drive to, but yeah. it's not. Yeah. My, my dad has seen all 50 States. Um, his, his last state was Alaska and we went on a uh, cruise. We went on a princess cruise in Alaska when I was a kid. And uh, that was his last state to see. And he had seen, like I said, he had seen them all. So that was his very last state. So he, he's he been to all 50. I've been to, I've been to more than half of them for sure. I've probably been to about 30 of them, if I had to guess. Um, and most of the ones I haven't been to are like, like middle of the country. Um, so like I've been to everything on the West Coast, you know, California, you know, uh, Oregon, Washington. I've been 
East Coast up to, I haven't been anywhere in the Northeast, funny enough. I haven't been anywhere past like Virginia, like oh. North Carolina, Virginia. For whatever reason, we just never traveled into the Northeast. Um, but uh, my whole family's from Michigan. So I've been to a lot of uh, Midwestern states. My wife's family's from Wisconsin. So we've been up there a bunch. Um, that's a trip. <laughs> Fly, flying direct from South Florida to St. Paul, Minneapolis, and then driving three and a half hours east into northern Wisconsin. But not um, don't go up there in winter. No, 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 no. We go up there in July and it's oh, it's freaking beautiful. It's like it's it's the best weather you you could ask for. It's so pretty. There's no humidity. It's just gorgeous. Um, but uh yeah, that that's a that's a trek just because it's it's flying, which I don't like to do. It's a decent drive in a rental after you've done a lot of flying. And it's you're just like, of course, then once you get there, you're fine. But uh, yeah, th that trip home is actually where I blew up my right eardrum on the flight. So Gosh. Uh, yeah, that hurt. That hurt. That's that that ruined flying for me. I'm scared to death it's going to happen again. And then it just be so painful. <laughs> so painful. Do you think that's why you write about all these fabulous exotic places because you're not going there so you can live vicariously through your characters and the research and oh absolutely absolutely like i grew up a um so this will be actually um something else i'd like to talk to you about so this is a lead in with this here is um like i was very much the history geek like the nerd like i i would have like an atlas of the world and just read through it just because it's cool. It's like, I would read something about ancient Egypt or I'd read something about Greece. I'd read something about, you know, Norse mythology and just be like, it's just not American history. You know, it's just not here. So it's just something different. It's something weird. It's something unique. Cause you know, even though we've been around since 1776, we are a very young country when it comes to history. So it's like American history is great. I love writing about it because just like where, these like the founding fathers where they came from where their inspirations from where their culture was and like what drove that so it, it's a fun topic to write about but like the world history you start getting into ancient history man like i've i've i dove in i don't know how many times i've written about uh like ancient egypt and stuff like that i just think it's so fascinating and then you start getting into some of the other cultures of the world and it's just like I, I just love it. Like I, I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan. I grew up idolizing, you know, Harrison Ford and Indy, and I just thought it was the coolest character ever. And you know, my friends were Star Wars and Star Trek, and I'm, I got the fedora and the whip. You know what I mean? It's just like I just, I just thought it was a cooler character. I just, I, I fell in love with the character versus like the story. You right. know, sure. And so I, that's what I write now, and I just, I, I just love it. So like the, 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 the travel and the history part for me is like second nature. I've just always had a fascination with history and that just happens to be, you know, in other countries. So I need to be doing research. I need to be doing travel logs. I need to be watching these YouTube channels of people traveling, like walking through the, the pyramid of Giza. And, you know, I don't know what the, the inside looks like. I've never been there. So what do you do? You Google it and you, you watch somebody else's right. travel logs. And uh, it, it's fun. You Google earth the crap out of everything. And, you know, it, it, it's a nice resource to have. So, um, I mean, you, you should be in my genre at this point with as much as you've traveled and like you've I seen it and you've lot, experienced. But I don't do history. I don't read history books. I know that's a yeah. very ignorant thing to say, but it's like snooze fest, show me the movie, uh, you know. Oh, I get it. I get um, it. I'm just so like present minded, focused, future, you know, my brain's going the opposite direction and you're like fascinated by what's happened. And I'm thinking like, what could be coming, you know, which obviously history 
gets you there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. My brain is just wired different. History, and <laughs> a lot of historical books. Um, I'm in a great book club, and we read a lot of genres, which I, I like about it. But sometimes we get those historical books, and <laughs> yeah, like I'm I'm not talking about like historical reference books very much anymore. Like I'm not I'm not reading uh, like I don't read like nonfiction. I don't read autobiographies. Mm -hmm. um it, it has to be like something truly like unique or like something that's also going to help like enhance the mission you know statement at this point and be like it needs to be like a figure that i need to know more about and you know uh like that kind of stuff so it, it's for me it's more like i guess the entertainment of it i just i just find it so fascinating um when i see these characters off on these like like uh uh inhospitable you know jungles or like in the burning desert or like romping through siberia like that kind of stuff i just find it so cool and fascinating and i have absolutely no want to do it <laughs> <laughs> like i said i wouldn't mind seeing this kind of stuff it's just the actual travel of it just it's just it's exhausting <laughs> i love that that's what's holding back from seeing you know all these and honestly it's just it's it's time it's time and energy as well it's just you know uh, kids at their age. I mean, you know, kids at their age and trying to work it in and, and time and work. And now, like now I have more free time than I ever have, but I'm actually working more than I ever have. So it's like, you know, I'm now at a computer for like 60 hours a week. And, uh, uh, yeah, like, I'm like, oh, I'll be editing a few books for conundrum and also writing my own stuff and I'll get on the computer at 8am. And then I realize it's midnight. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> And I think I've had dinner. Did I eat? I think I had dinner. <laughs> like that kind of stuff. It's like, oh yeah, you know. But you know, I, it's just I I just get into this zone, and I'm just I just keep going, and I'm just doing it. I'm I'm sure one day it'll completely and utterly destroy my brain, but it hasn't gotten there yet. Bad. It hasn't gotten there yet. So so as far as um, I just I, I find the um the genre of choice just very fascinating and uh, i don't mean to dwell on it but i just i find it fascinating uh as far as like um entertainment purposes like is there anything in that that you like i know you said you're reading stephen king and you're reading that kind of stuff but as far as like movies as far as like other books is there anything that has just drawn you to it uh besides just curiosity at this point um i mean it's a little bit of everything i think i you know when i watch any of those movies i'm trying to think the last time i saw greenland with gerard butler that was a mm -hmm. really good interesting twist on some of it a little bit different um and the books i've read too i just i like that it can be the same idea but they're all different in the outcome and what people speculate and it's never happened so we don't have that history to say oh well the last time this happened you know it's sure I, I yeah. kind of like that it's what if enough that I think it gives me the creativity to kind of go with it where I want. And you can't tell me that it's wrong, <laughs> you know? Sure. I, I think that's why I loved uh, The Day After Tomorrow so much. Yes. Um, probably my favorite disaster movie ever. And great cast, number one. Great writing. <laughs> characters are awesome. <laughs> but they did bring in history and they brought in past events and they brought in like this has happened before. This is because of this. Like they actually had a lot of like scientific knowledge behind it to kind of like back the story. Right. Uh, but it was obviously the entire movie was 100% character driven. It was about this family. And I thought it was fantastic. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I really do. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's one of those things, maybe it's just because I haven't, I, I haven't, uh, um, 
lived in the genre enough. Like I said, I have my my one series, um, but it, it's a very different. It I get it's a survival series, obviously, but um, it, it's more like in this case, a a meteor comes to Earth and carries with it a virus, carries with it um, something that changes the genetic code in human beings. And um, anybody that witnesses its entry, it admits like a radiation is just kind of like what I built as far as like the lore of the story. And um, so you have like the people that witnessed its entry are now monsters. And then you have everyone else. And uh, the the story is in first person present too. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, written in that point of view, but um, when you're writing as the con- the subconscious of the character, it takes on a whole new meaning of the story. Uh, when you're like, I, like Frank Moon is my main character, but you are Frank Moon. Like every the reader, every single book comes out of his mouth and his interactions with people. And if he doesn't know what's happening, neither does the reader. And I I know some people have strong feelings about that, but first person is my jam. So I love first person. And he he is realistically the only character I've done it with. um, Mostly because it's kind of like his territory in my mind. Like I don't want to almost like contaminate it. It's like everything I do from first person is, is Frank. So I just don't write other characters that way. He is the only one. Um, (laughs) And what's cool is you can get super weird and you can get super like, you know, like squirrel, you know, just because, (laughs) <laughs> in in the moment, if something happens, the consciousness of that person is going to shift and then the story goes that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think it's it's an interesting way to write, um, especially when your person isn't like an expert in a lot of things. Like Frank's just, a, he's a cop and uh, he's just surviving. So he's just like at, at his, uh, you know, his just normal dude, <laughs> you know, but uh, I don't... I just think it's, like I said, I just think it's, it, it's a fascinating, um, it's a, fa- it's a fascinating subject. It's a fascinating, um, genre. Um, cause there are a lot of great authors that do it. Like if, if you've ever, um, get a chance to read it's, it's disaster, but it's so much more than that. It's, uh, uh, Antarctic rising by Jeremy Robinson. Okay. Um, it, it talks about, uh, what is it called? It's the, um, it's like the, uh, crust shift or slip theory or something in that the 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 earth the globe when we sit on an axis and we spin we don't spin at a perfect perfect circle mm-hmm. the earth actually wobbles a little bit right. and they said every so often the earth will actually start to wobble more and more and more and more out of control to the point to where the core will actually sl- will actually shift and the crust of the earth will actually slip and it a lot that's where like a lot of theories come from um with like uh atlantis for instance or like antarctica how they're finding like uh signs of um that it wasn't always frozen so it's like if it wasn't always frozen well then it had couldn't have been always on the pole right so right it had to yeah it had to be somewhere else and it doesn't fit the timeline of like a pangea or it doesn't fit the timeline of like pangea and continental drift and that stuff it's not that old. So based on scientific or study. So it's like, well, how? So one of the theories is that um, Antarctica has been where it is. It's just switched hemispheres. So and so you had like like kind of like day after tomorrow, you had like a flash freezing. You had flash thawing somewhere else. 
Uh, so maybe it explains like the glaciers melting at extreme rates because they weren't always there. They were somewhere else that was colder. So I was like, I thought it was an interesting concept that Jeremy put together, but then he brings in a lot of his background, which he, he knows, uh, he has a lot like in this story. The, like the villain is like the biblical Nephilim. So it's like the demons of the Bible, the demon seed of the Bible. And it's like, like I said, it's the way he puts this story together. It's like po part post-apocalyptic end times, right? but it's a very character centric story. And to craft um, the science and everything that go into that yeah. is, and I don't know that I have the brain capacity to execute something of that magnitude. <laughs> yeah. And oh, the, the research and the depth that he goes into with that story, it was something because I had read, you know, a decent amount of, of the genre, but, um, when I, that was the second book I, I read from him is years ago. This is like over 10 years ago. Um, and, uh, when I read that and I'm like, this is like the most unique concept when it comes to, um, that part of science fiction yeah. that it ended up being like more than I expected. Cause I, I expected like the thawing, I expected Antarctos, I expected Antarctica to thaw and then blossom. And then, but, but a lot of the theory into it, like, uh, how, um, like frogs he brings in where frogs can freeze and then unfreeze and then just hop away. And, uh, there's like, there's, so there's like other animals that also do that when, when Arica thaws. So I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> I think though, I like that idea of it. Really yeah. Cause like I said, it wasn't just a, a, I will call it a traditional post-apocalyptic thriller. Mm -hmm. There was like so much other stuff piled onto this plot point or this plot. And I was just like, wow. Okay. Um, it was like, I'm like, I could never do that. <laughs> I could never put Sounds a story together like that. Incredible. It sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Like I said, and it, he was kind of like my first, like, um, I bought every book kind of author. Like okay. I was just like, I fell in love with his work and just went through all that kind of stuff. But, um, mm -hmm. so that's like a, a big one for me in, in that genre. But again, it was also just huge historical, like undertaking when it came to his research and stuff too. It wasn't, a, like I said, it wasn't a, a traditional, uh, survival thriller type of thing. There was so much extra stuff that he packed into it, into the story. And then came six uh, novellas afterwards, which oh became God. the, so yeah, it became the Antarctos saga. So it was like the original book was Antarctos Rising. And then there were, there were two prequels and then there were three sequels. So there were six total. So there were five novellas and five, six total in the series um and it was just like the aftermath of antarctica's rising was the last three of that series and how did they get so the island itself what was going on or the island the, con the continent what was going on it during the thaw during all that stuff before the characters got there so it was like that was the other part of the series i was just like oh man i ate those stories up and of course they're narrated by rc bray who is like the voice i mean he is he's magic but um so outside of this gig so i i know you said you work full-time you work for a law firm you have your family to take care of yeah. um a lot going on you travel a ton yeah. um anything else behind the scenes as far as like what do you what do you do is there anything like personally like hobby wise is there anything interesting that that you just do besides this yeah i mean i'm very social so i'm you know a lot of writers i know are very introverted and they don't like mm -hmm. to look at or talk to people or have people, you know, ask them questions. I, I'm so social and we have a nice 
network of people. We quarantine with our neighbors. We have this big group of people and we travel with them and our kids all have grown up together. And we just have a lot of parties. We celebrate everything. I mean, sports I don't even care about. We throw parties for, um, we make up parties. I had an Oreo tasting party. You know, we just, I just make up all the time. So I probably have or go to three to five parties a week, you know, whether it's um, something made up and stupid or a football party, you know, I don't necessarily care but I'm going to eat all the nachos and have a really good time. So of course, of course. I think a lot of the downtime between, you know, work and kids and sports, my decompressing isn't being alone in a quiet room. It's like, give me more people and parties and, you know, stuff going on. So um, it's just, I feel like a lot of that, just a lot of social time, you know, girls nights and book clubs. And it's, you know, I have something every single night in September and some of wow. it's and some of it's you know PTO meetings and I'm on the septic board for my neighborhood and you know like the board septic board it's not exciting but it's (laughs) that like you got to be vice president of the septic guy I don't and I am great that's a terrible qualification I have no business being on the vice president of the septic board but you know so there's boring real life stuff that takes up time and I think that's when when I have downtime I don't have downtime. I can't shut off because it's just, there's something every day. Well, that I can relate to not being able to shut off the thing between your ears. I mean, I get that. It's just, you know what it is? I think it's, it's a common, it's a commonality between anybody with any walk of life when it has anything to do with like creative thought. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's, we're both writers. So in this case, in the writing world, like I know musicians are the exact same way. It's, they can't stop. And it's just, they're wired. And like, like with me, with stories, with research, with ideas, that's hence the notepads by the side of our bed. Right. Right. So it's like, if we weren't like that, we wouldn't need the notepad. Right. It's just, I get it. It's just, I can't stop. And it's, I think it's just, it's the way we're wired. I think a lot of people too. I mean, you think writing is very solitary, but even most of my writing is with other people. I meet once a week at the mall with a local girl in town, which I met in Vegas and we happen to live 10 minutes from each other. Um, I do a lot of writing retreats and it's funny cause it's like social, you know, we're all there together and then we don't speak for like 12 hours cause we're all just on our keyboards. So it's like, you're not alone, even though nobody's talking, <laughs> but it's, it's weird to make a solitary activity. You know, I'm sitting next to somebody doing the same thing, but you're doing it alone, but yet with somebody, you know? And I think that that, yeah just keep going. Yeah. And that's one reason why I love doing this. It's the same idea. It's the social mm-hmm. aspect. It's it, well, obviously meeting new people, mm-hmm. but I, I like to, I like to see where in this case, writers, I like to see where everyone's headspace is. You know, it's like, it, it's interesting to me because I know me, you know what I mean? I, I know what <laughs> I do. You should know yourself pretty well by now. I, I hope so. You know, <laughs> But I, I like to see, because you can sometimes pick up on on certain um, interactions with people. So like uh, conversations, like I, uh, my buddy Rick that lives down in Key Largo, uh, down here in Florida, he he's another writer. And we were talking about the whole outlining thing. And uh, he's experimented purposefully on outlining and not outlining because he wanted to see what the process looked like as far as writing. Like he would, he, he actually more or less kept track of how long it took to write the book. Like he was very interested in like the process, which I am too, but I'd never like thought about it any more than that. And I'm interested 
someone else to give me the data on that. Like, I don't want to be. Yeah. But so what he said is, so he, he, he's a big outliner. He'll, he'll outline every chapter and, um, start to finish. And, uh, he just has like an idea of like, like me, I know most of my books, most of my chapters are 2000 words. Most of my books, well, they used to be about 70, 80,000 words. The last couple have been much bigger and accidental. It's just the story took me. So I just kept going. Yeah. So, uh, like, I, you know, you have kind of an understanding of what your, your, your average book length is. So you can kind of like, okay, what's this many chapters, right? So he'll outline the entire book and I'm like, wow, more power to you, man. He goes, well, the difference is, is I know I can sit down and write without struggling for a moment. Mm -hmm. And he goes, that's why I do that. And I said, I understand that. And I, that's, that's awesome. I'm just of the belief that I love to let the story grow organically. Um, just because of the way it can shape and mold and you can kind of really find some neat little tidbits if you're not like, not saying you have to get hung up on your outline. Like you can, you can deviate, but I like writing in the moment more. Um, I, a, I just think it's more fun. I just think it's more enjoyable. I agree with that. Yeah. 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 But he, but, but the way that he was explaining it and why he does it was very eye opening to me. Cause he, he's just like, like, and some of my friends, uh, Nick Thacker and my partner at conundrum and Kevin Tumlinson, one of our good friends, um, Kevin wrote an entire book in 16 hours. Mm -hmm. I believe that in one day he was telling me about it. He wrote He wrote a book called, um, how to write a book in 30 days. I think it's the title of it. And he went through the, the step-by-step process on how to properly write a 60,000 word book in 30 days. And, um, which I actually used to do pretty, pretty often. I used to write cause I would aim for 2000 words a day. And by the end of the month, I would be at 60,000 words. And usually about a month and a half, I could get it done. No big deal. Um, and he, then he said, well, maybe I can write a book in three weeks. And then he said, maybe I can write a book in 15 days. Maybe I can write a book in a week. And then he goes, maybe I can write a book in a day. And he literally said he sat in a hotel bar restaurant lobby area in New York. Environment. His, he was stuck in the hotel. It was horrible weather. His wife and friends they met were doing something and he was just alone in the hotel for the day. Like he, he didn't, he, he wasn't personally doing anything. So he literally went down to the bar at like seven, eight in the morning and talked to the manager and talked to the people and like basically made a deal with them that he just needs a space to sit. And they're like, okay. So he literally sat there made friends with the waiters and bartenders to like watch his stuff while he went up to go to the bathroom, while he went up to walk around. Like, and he said it in about 16 hours later, I had a 60,000 word short novel. And hours, the most I've done in a day is like 25. I can't. Wow. I mean, that's, that's yeah, 60,000 words in about 16 hours. He goes, it wasn't published ready. Don't get me wrong. He goes, it needed some work, but it, it, it got done. That's incredible. And now Nick, uh, Nick, uh, dictates everything now. I've thought about trying to get into that, but I don't know if my brain to paper, you know, if it, if I work that way. Yeah. He's dictating a book a week and he's been doing it for like eight, eight or nine weeks. Dang. He's just dictating, getting everything down. And then he'll go through and actually write it when the story needs to be worked on. It was like an interesting way of getting like 
I mean, he has to have like, he has a super, super dense outline because he needs it. But he was literally dictating the story. And I'm just like, like, I can't even imagine trying. Like, I wouldn't know where to start. But I just thought that was such an interesting way to do it. So like talking to like Kevin about that and talking to Nick about that and like, wow, it's just like that was something that I would have never came up with on my own as far as even remotely possible. Like writing a book in a day. Are you kidding me? I don't have a lot of disposable time every day to write. So when I do have getaways or my one night a week that I write or a writing retreat, every writing retreat I've done, like Friday to Sunday, I can easily get over 40,000 words in a weekend. And so I get my books done because I don't have a lot of other time. So I need a few of those a year so that I can write half a book, you know, in a weekend, because I have to do them in those big chunks of time. Otherwise, you know, it's hard to find the time. So I get that once you're in the zone of just, it just flows out by then, I guess. But yeah, yeah, no. And that's, that's, I'm lately, I've been writing faster than I have in a couple of years, just because I finally have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also doing like nine other things, but you know, uh, the writings thankfully has still been, uh, you know, priority number one, but, uh, doing this and then doing some publishing on the side, doing artwork, doing cover art for other people. Uh, I'm doing everything under the moon in this industry. That's why my free time includes my family. And that is it. Right. <laughs> Cause every, this is my free time. <laughs> yeah, and you're hanging out and still talking about writing. And- yeah, I know. Right. But I guess that's, that's just the, the the other side of it for me, because like, for me, the interesting side of it, besides putting the stories together is the process of it. Like I'm, I'm always super interested in like, why would somebody that's got some experience in soft romance decide to write science fiction and post-apocalyptic thrillers and do pretty well at doing it. So it's like, I need to know why it's like, why? Like, I'm just curious because in, in my mind, is there just the way I guess I'm thinking about it, is there something I'm missing out on as far as application to my own work, you know? So it's like, um, like I'm so ingrained in action adventure stuff and I'm very happy doing it. I love it. But is there something that I could add to it in a way to enhance it that I'm not thinking of? And sometimes the conversation, like in this case, uh, like a- adding to love, the love story to the post-apocalyptic story, a lot of people might not do that because they, they might not ever think it's necessary or feasible. Right. And I, and I get some of that too. And it's surprising to some people and it's just about finding the right people that, you know, get it. But I think so many books, the things I love about certain books is when you find those other elements that make them a little different, you know, than everything else in a genre. I think it just changes it up just enough that it keeps it interesting and fresh and something that maybe everybody else isn't doing, but sure. I think it just took me being challenged to do it. Like I dare you to do it. And then I did and was like, that was amazing. So somebody needs to dare you to, you know, come out of your comfort zone with a different type of genre and whether you incorporate it in what you already do or just, you know, start fresh and try to go it on your own. I think it's good for the brain. I think it's good to challenge your brain and your writing personality with something like that. Yeah. And yeah, you say that. And I have a actually a really good example is, Um, I would all, my, my philosophy when I first started, um, up until probably the last couple of years was, um, if I could have a 70,000 word, super tight start to finish book, every word counts and it's gangbusters. Mm -hmm. Is that better or worse than maybe a 90 to a hundred thousand word book? 
that might have a little more fat in it as far as unnecessary content to the story itself. Like in my, well, in my head, I'm going, the, the, the obvious answer was, and again, this is just in my head. The obvious answer was the tighter book. But, and this is a recent change. And this is where I was going with how my books have gotten longer now is I was writing um, new book that I'm series that I'm doing with with Nick uh, Zara Kane archaeological thriller series, and um, I was putting together the first draft, and uh, the idea was I was going to make this book as big as humanly possible, in order for Nick to go back, and trim it down and cut the fat out. So I wanted to give him all the content I could come up with, even if it wasn't necessary. And then he could decide what wasn't necessary. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you have two minds that are semi-good at what they do mm-hmm. that are going to create a banger story. That's That was the idea. So I'm like, I didn't want to leave any stone unturned. I didn't want to leave any hint of research unresearched. And when I gave him the first draft, it was 128,000 words. Oh, okay. And the prologue was six chapters. Oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's a story I've brought up a few times. I had this like Indiana Jones opening where it was like the first 20 minutes of the movie has nothing to do with the Holy Grail, right. Or <laughs> has nothing to do with the, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. It's like, it's just this amazing opening sequence that you just enjoy. And you're just like, this is entertaining. Right. Yeah. So in my head, that's what I wanted. So I wrote this massive <laughs> scene and he's just like, dude, he's like, what are you doing? He goes, it's great, but what what do we do with this? So right. it's now going to become a short story introduction. Like we're going to release it separately. But, but the he, love yeah. about that idea is, you know, I wonder if you gave it to 10 people or 20 people, would they all have had Nick's same opinion on it? Or would, you know, everybody has such different ideas. Of- well, the issue is, is the book's called The Anubis Plague. And the first six, six chapters, Zara is in the Amazon searching for the lost city of Z. So you're like, what? <laughs> What's happening? Is this the right? Did they print the cover wrong? Is this the wrong book? <laughs> so he was more of the like the the reader that would just like get like the sample on Amazon, right? And then and go, what the hell is happening? Right. Yeah. So it, it, I don't care. It's fine. But he goes, <laughs> well, I, I just make the no. I can make the short story just bigger now since it's its own book. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so the problem was, is he read. You know, he read through the the story and he goes, I might actually want to make it bigger. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, and my brain is going, what? Like, that's not at all what I expected you to say. And he goes, it's really like, I like it the way it is. It's like, like there's scenes where they get coffee. (laughs) And he goes, but it's local coffee. They're talking about the local cuisine. They're thinking it's like it's the travel guide of the area. Mm-hmm. And he goes, You you went nuts with the detail, and it worked because you introduced Cairo, you introduced Giza, you introduced like these areas, and you introduced Levanzo, Italy, which is literally an island off the coast of Sicily. Like, and he goes, and it was inter- like, it was cool. It was entertaining. It's these little tidbits that I would have never found out about. And he goes, I feel like I would do you a disservice by cutting it out. And I'm like, huh. 
Well, okay. So maybe I've been thinking about this all wrong over the years where like maybe some of this fat is like entertaining in its own way because it's that research, it's that knowledge that the reader may not otherwise have ever heard of. It might just be that little tidbit that they're, you know, interested in. And, and I'm like, okay. So then I decided to, to stay with that style in my next Jack Riley book, uh, the Shangri-La book I just finished. And um, that got to 134,000 words. Nice. And I'm like, but I'm like describing some of the scenes to my wife. And she goes, you can't get rid of that. She goes, <laughs> she goes, they're on a road trip. They have a four plus hour drive into the Himalayas. Jack wants coffee and breakfast. Well, I'm, damn it. I'm going to give Jack coffee and breakfast. So what did I research? Breakfast in Nepal. Like, I have no idea what they eat. Like, I don't know. Like, come to find out they don't really drink a lot of coffee. They drink a lot of tea. And, you know, there is coffee, but it's mostly tea. And it's like the diet and this. I'm like, that's cool. I mean, you know, you have to make sure it doesn't like completely drag down the story. But at the same time, right. it's like there's little things like that where I'm like. And it makes huh. it up to the story and the area and the setting and the. That's yeah, like I want to showcase Nepal. I want to showcase Tibet. I want to showcase the Amazon. I want to showcase Egypt. You know what I mean? That's for me anyways. That's kind of the point. Like that's that like when it comes to like the world travel stuff is I am living in the character. So it's like. And then like just mentally kind of like almost like restructuring the way I think about putting the story together. I'm like more open about doing it. And um, uh, RF Blackstone, who I did an interview with uh, a week or two ago, uh, he said, he goes, I got to a certain point in my current work, in my current whip. And there was this cool stuff in the area that I wanted to talk about. And I remembered you said that, you know, you, you said to hell with it. I'm keeping the fat in for the experience of the story and he goes he goes i started doing it in the area and i love the way the story is turning out so far he goes but i was always kind of afraid to add in something that wasn't like direct to the plot and i'm like no i mean i get it and i'm still i'm still like how is it going to be received by the general public as far as that no, and we all have our crutches and we all have our that thing we were told one time that stuck with us and we feel like we can't commit that crime ever again. And, you know, yep. that's what I love about the whole industry, though, of how different we all are and how different our experiences are and then how we're also the same, but then we're not, but we are, you know, it's just, it's just so cool. Yeah, I mean, how many people have always, oh, the, I wish the book was longer or I wish there was more to the story or I wish it didn't end so soon or it didn't end so I'm like... Well, it ain't going to happen anymore, guys. Uh, and you want a dense story, uh, you're going to get a dense story. <laughs> you, love, you don't want it to end. In a book you hate, you're like, oh my gosh, when will this ever end? And so yeah. the idea to make it, as long as it's the book that people love, then, you know. You yeah, I mean, I don't know how many comments I've, I've gotten. I love the story. I just wish it was longer. I'm like, well, it was on purpose. I, I, <laughs> I was trying to keep your attention. Right every letter counted in that book and it came out and I, and I achieved it. And then obviously, you know, you just got to shut up the talking head sometimes and go, eh, you know, you're not going to make, you're not going to make everybody happy. But I was just like, if there was a general criticism about my work, it was a lot of the time that people wish the story was longer. So because of the detail, they wanted more. And I'm like, I I'll give you more. If that's what y'all truly want, I'll give you more. I don't have a, the problem is now it just takes me a heck of a lot longer to write a book. <laughs> sure. I, 
I mean, if it's 140,000, yeah. Yeah, that's what's crazy is they, they're just, I, I never would have thought the the, the current, the, the, the Undying Kingdom is the name of the book I just finished. I never would have thought that that would have been longer. And it blew past the other one by almost 20,000 words. And I was like, holy moly, this is massive. And I'm like, well. Sometimes that's what you need, though, to tell the story. And I would stand by that and, and go with it. Yeah, and they're, they're not all going to be that big. I mean, I'm going to have some stories that I just can't fit in that much stuff just based on the 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 uh, um, the subject matter. I mean, there might just there's going to be some stories that just fall a little shorter than that, just based on um, I don't want to say struggling to put the story together, but there's just some there's just some stuff that you can't get that much uh, subject out of. So the story will naturally fall maybe a hair shorter, but you know, I think that's just natural. But um, but uh, well, Randy, thank you so much for coming on. There's one more thing I want to get from you and um, book recommendations. So this is what we do, right? We're, we're writers. We're writing books for people. So of your books, um, what can you recommend for somebody that has not read an Arl Kennedy title or a Randy Lee Kennedy title, depending on which way you want to go? Um, well, I mean, I... Or I one of each, one of each. Yeah, the Underground series, I just, I, it's so hard to say that I'm not so in love with it because I just did it. So I'm still on that high of, oh my gosh, I loved every single moment. And, you know, so obviously I think it's a good place to start for, it's my only post-apocalyptic series. There's more coming, but I think that that's, you know, a good place to start for people who like that genre. Mm -hmm. um, but then, yeah, I mean, the, the sweet romances, I think the style of, you know, my writing is kind of the same in all of them, but you know, that's either your taste or it's not. And I understand it. If people, you know, don't <laughs> sweet romance and post-apoc are very much, you know, two different things, but the underground series, I think is a nice, um, it's a good place to start, especially if you don't read either a lot of post-apocalyptic. I did have a good amount of crossover for my romance audience. And I thought, Oh, I don't know how this is going to go. And I had really great feedback from people that liked my romance stories to this. Okay. It wasn't as, shocking i mean my mom thought it was a little more violent than it needed to be you know but it's it's the end of the world sorry mom yeah <laughs> so there's there's a little bit you know it's not as clean you know there's a few more curse expletives words. Yeah, yeah i get it yeah my my my, my dad's yeah. read my dad's read every book i've put together i'm i've had like 27 releases now oh my god uh, he, he's read every single one of them so uh and he doesn't agree with all of them <laughs> but but and, uh, I get that. and there's a time and a place for it and so depending yeah. on like, you know, and I still try to be mindful of things. It's not super gratuitous and it's not super violent. And it's, you know, again, I always having kids, I feel like in the back of my mind, that's always there of like, I still want to be proud of my work. And that's why I'm not, you know, writing erotica and some other money making things, because I want to write something that's still true to me and something that I love and something that, you know, a story I want to tell. So yeah, I think the underground series, I think it's been pretty well received. And I think if somebody wants to check that out, I think that that'd be a great place to start and just kind of, you know, see where my head's at on that. Yeah. I'm actually kind of curious. Um, just because, um, <laughs> how old are your, how old are your kids? They're 12 and 14. So they're finally okay. getting okay. to the point where like, they're almost interested in reading what I've written. And it's sure. like, okay, now you're old enough. You can do that. Yeah. Cause like I said, my oldest is nine and I started writing basically the year she was born. Okay. Um, so I've never had like the thought of, Oh, I shouldn't write this because of my kids. So mm -hmm. I was, I was curious on the age of your kids because I was just like, I've never, I've never come across that. Um, I mean, later as they get older, sure. But at well, the same time, I've for, never like 
currently i've never actually been like oh i don't know if i should do that because riley isn't gonna want to <laughs> I mean, she... but like having a daughter and then the romance elements like i wanted those to be clean i wanted them to be hmm. you know i didn't want there to... it's it's weird because a lot of you know yeah, i have two girls so i get it i have two daughters so yeah nope, so no bo no boys <laughs> i've got one of each and so it's funny because like the boy like that's not even on my radar like read whatever i don't care but her it's like you know the romance stories i want her to have you know, a sweeter view of that as she's coming sure. and all this. So it's just my mindset at the time of her being a young girl, knowing that she's going to read these at some point. So sure. my mind yeah. versus as she gets older, you know, like I said, like, okay, I put a few curse words in there. I don't feel bad for it. I felt bad when you were seven and you didn't know what those were, but now, you know, you've seen some PG 13 movies, like we're good. Oh yeah. They've heard so much worse than anything I could probably exactly. write. <laughs> Plus, I mean, but, I and and I also have a philosophy with the with the series, and it, it it stems from um originally having my dad read everything was um I remembered that he was reading everything, and I was like, well, what do I think my dad's gonna react like? I, and yeah. and I, I get it. I completely get it. So it's like my Jack Riley series is like hardcore PG thirteen, right. It goes as it it blows into that border as hard as humanly possible without <laughs> crossing it. Um, so like the language is rougher, but not horrific. Like there's no F-bombs, there's no GDs, there's no MFs. There, there's nothing that I would consider gratuitous cursing. Uh, same with like sexuality. There's like hints and like things, but it's also Jack being a little boy at heart. So like his mind wanders and he's just a typical guy. <laughs> uh, so it's like stuff like that, but it never gets to a point to where I cross the threshold of like unnecessary. Um, I do have other stories like the Zara Kane series is definitely PG 13 to R like it goes beyond the border that I crossed with Jack. And I did, I did it on very purposefully. Right. Uh, I, it was, it, so I did it because I wanted her character to be that more over the top hardcore. So more willing, more willing with violence, uh, more willing with um, uh, subject matter as far as like conversation. Uh, so it, it was it was on purpose. Like I, I kept Jack's series a little cleaner and I went a little harder with Zara's um, to kind of fill in the gaps that I don't use with Jack, I guess. And for uh, me, that's the separation with my name of Randy Lee. If it says my full first name on there, like mm -hmm. you can do that with your Bible study, mom. But if it's RL, that's kind of my like, whoa, this may not be right for the Bible study, you know? Um, yeah, it's funny. It's like it's your more adult books. And yet. Yes. They're all adult books because right. we are. It's like we're not we're not children's yeah, author, you know, it up, you kind of know, like which direction it might be going. And so. Sure. Yeah. And I've I've I won't talk about who I talked about it with because uh, that's his decision. But I've been talking to another author friend of mine who is kind of going through something. um uh, professionally as far as, uh, what, um, path he wants to keep following as far as subject. And, um, lately he only writes mostly, um, like monster books. Mm -hmm. And he is very much interested in like the hardcore action thriller, but his readers may not be as receptive because his readers expect a certain, style of book it's like when you go too far off genre like i've done it i've gone too off genre and the books didn't sell right so it's like i get it i understand it and he's kind of going through that quandary of uh like he currently writes under a pen name and he goes what if i just use 
why I posed it. I'm like, what if you just use your real name and write action thrillers, like spy assassin action thrillers, like you want to write, right? Like your version of John Wick and James Bond and that kind of stuff, and or and like Atomic Blonde and like that, like over the top hardcore action. And he's just like, huh? Because <laughs> he's not, he's not as like he even said. He goes, I don't feel like I'm as well known yet to where I would lose my audience. Like I feel like I'm still building the audience. So if I want to do it, this would be the time to do it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you may want to think about it because I think you could write that that genre and that style and do very well in it. I just don't know if you could do it in the current, um, with your current pen name because you your readers, the expectation you might actually like lose readers at first. And it is hard to change genres. And that's something I was worried mm -hmm. about because, you know, a lot of- I've even thought about it. A lot of advice, though, from very seasoned writers is very much stay in your lane, stay in your genre, write what you know, and keep going. And I appreciate that advice. And I do think that there's a lot of, you know, good reasons to do that. But I think, you know, the creativity in your head of if you're being pulled in these different directions, you know, I can't imagine not having written this past series because it was such an exciting inspiring thing for me to do you know and it's not that i won't go back to clean romance at some point but i don't you know i'm, I'm fine having both of those things and just kind of trying to keep them separate but still being true enough to myself that there'll be some crossover and that's fun too you know for people who yeah that's like my friend kent kent holloway he's a action adventure thriller writer but he also writes uh non-fiction um and quite different his, well and you know what it is he is I'll be talking to him in a couple of weeks, I think, but um, he's an interesting guy because for 24 years, he has been a supervisor with the St. Augustine. Uh, what is it called? The St. Augustine uh, medical examiner's office. Oh, so he is a uh, murder death investigator. Wow. So Ooh. he's a death investigator for the morgue's office, basically. For the okay. So Incredible. yeah, he's, he's been doing that for two plus decades and uh, his, outlook on just death and his outlook on and he's a devout christian and uh his books are on a the the, the um non-fiction books like one of them is i died swallowing a goldfish and other tales of them from the morgue wow. so it's wow. it's real cases yeah with like the redacted information and then he goes into like more depth on his own personal beliefs on like certain things within that story and like how it like applies to like life and stuff. And it's a completely super unique way of doing it. And uh, he's had a, a decent amount of success doing it. And um, he, but he, you know, he's very much like pulp, like action adventure. Like he loves like the, like the Island voodoo stuff. He loves like, you know, that kind of stuff. He loves the um, Appalachian like lore with like a lot of like the, uh, like the, what do they call them? The, uh, the old school, like uh, creepy, like swampy magic ladies. Uh, like, like Mama Juju from, you know, Princess and the Frog. <laughs> so like that type of stuff, okay. you know, like, you know, like, and, and so like his, like his, his upbringing is, he's Kentucky. So he's got like a lot of that, like Appalachian stuff, but like, but the genre flipping that he does, and he actually does pretty well doing it, but I think now it's actually more expected of him. <laughs> like, he's done it for so long that the readers are just, you know, they're okay with it, you know? But uh, yeah, I, I was interested in doing that for like science fiction horror. I'm like, I, there's stories I want to write, but I couldn't write them as Matt James. I mean, uh, they're, they're just nowhere, anything close to what I currently write. 
and it might just confuse people. I do think that yep. there's helpful for readers too to kind of separate those things for their own sake, just so that you always know what you're getting. You yeah, know? no matter what you put in the title of the book, it doesn't matter what subtitle it is. People right. don't. Blah, 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 short story in the review. Oh, the book was too short. Yeah, that's, I, I told you that told straight you up. That. I'm trying, but, uh, oh, okay. And uh, one last, uh, a book recommendation from someone else. Um, in the post-apoc genre, the thing I'm most excited for right now, Kyla Stone's second book is coming out, I think in the next week or so. Yeah, um, uh, she just, I think it's. Oh, she just released the cover art for it today. Yes. Oh, yes. that was for the third one. So the light. Oh, the third one. Oh, okay, okay. Seek is coming out, I believe, mm -hmm. in, in a week or so. And so I'm pumped about that. So I'll read that the day it comes out. So that's nice. next on my list as far as things that I'm excited about. I'm, I'm super pumped for that. I will actually be diving into Lost in Time by A.G. Riddle. Right. Um, so I'm super pumped with that. And uh, the, the story and the premise behind it is super, super cool. I would definitely suggest somebody going out and uh, just Amazon it. And it's called Lost in Time by A.G. Riddle. He is like the guy when it comes to techno thrillers and sci-fi and stuff. Uh, it's uh, kind of labeled as like a time travel thriller. So um, I'm really interested to see his uh, his take on in this particular story and the subject. Um, I also have this that I wanted to show because this is a great one if people don't know this exists. So this is Uncharted, which is my favorite video game series ever. And of course, we just had the movie released with uh, Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg and Antonio Banderas. Loved it. Um, so regardless of what people think of it, I, I loved it, but I'm also a fanboy when it comes to this kind of stuff. <laughs> this is actually an original novel based on all of the characters from the video games called the fourth labyrinth. So this is Nate. This is Sully. This is everybody, uh, written by Christopher Golden. So this book called the fourth labyrinth is awesome. It is a truly unique uncharted story. So if you are a fan of the games, like I am, uh, pick this up and it's just a novelized game basically it's phenomenal so i would definitely recommend that um and as far as my own i mean look for uh by the time this video comes out uh look for zara kane uh the anubis plague is the first book in a new series with myself and nick thacker um my first release with conundrum publishing so uh it's uh very exciting for me um uh, very exciting my first book with nick as well so uh we're both super excited for people to meet zara uh, she is, my inspiration was, um, the newer, uh, Laura Croft and, uh, Evie, Evelyn Carnahan from the mummy, uh, Rachel Wise's character. So <laughs> it's kind of, the, it's a very, very brutal, violent Evie. <laughs> okay. So, uh, it, not that brutal, but it's, it's that, that character, but with Evie's like background and like her knowledge. And, uh, she was a, um, a linguist for the British military. So she's very good with language. Um, even though she is an American, she was transplanted to London as a kid. So she is just an American that grew up in London. Uh, but she's very good with language and that's kind of like her superpower is, uh, she can speak a lot of languages. So, um, it helps with a world travel book. Jack oh. doesn't speak any languages. So it's actually very funny. Uh, I put him in some awful situations cause he can't speak anything. He's you research all those languages that she speaks. I mean, have you researched all of them? Uh, she, well, so the, the language itself is not actually written in the book. Uh, her dialogue will be in English, but she'll be speaking to somebody in like Italian. So it's, uh, I'm not actually writing the language that she is okay. reading or she is speaking. That would, uh, that would be awful. Uh, that is something <laughs> I, no, no, thank you. I speak one language and it's bad English. So I'm not about to go out and research <laughs> these other languages because I don't speak anything. I guess that's where Jack comes from is me. He just struggles 
with his own language, let alone someone else's. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely recommend um, that. I think you guys are going to love it. You're going to love Zara. Um, she's she's just a great character. I was super happy with the way she came out. Um, everything about her uh, was what I think was perfected. Like everything I wanted in her character, I feel like we accomplished um, with her backstory, uh, with just the current events that she's going on between both stories that will be released, uh, the full novel and the novelette. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely check those out. Check on, um, Charted, check out Kyla Stone's, uh, novels, check out Randy's novels. Uh, but, um, if y'all liked what you saw, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Please subscribe to the channel. Um, we will have more interviews coming up. I have another five or six booked at least after this one. Um, I'm going to keep going as long as people want to come talk to me and <laughs> do this for an hour plus. Uh, I'd be more than happy. I love talking about all this stuff. It's been great. No, thank you so much, Randy. I really do appreciate coming on. Uh, where can people find your work? Obviously Amazon, but uh, where else can they find you or find your work? Amazon is where it's at. Um, I'll be honest. I'm a dinosaur. I still love Facebook and I love readers on Facebook. So I'm all about yeah. connecting there. I love when people send me messages. You know, I know some people it invades their personal space, but invade my personal space. Not with like weird photos, but you know, um, besides yeah. Facebook. Got to watch what you say. Because <laughs> people no, will no, take no. that to truth. Um, Facebook and then obviously Amazon is, you know, a great place to follow. And then that way you get updated on new releases and the next big thing coming out. So cool, cool, cool. And uh, more information on our releases as well is you can find uh, Randy stuff at uh, conundrumpub.com. Um, you can find my stuff at conundrumpub.com. My website is mattjamesauthor.com. Find me all over Amazon. I'm all over. Uh, Facebook and Instagram. I love using that stuff. I like, I like, I just like connecting with people and being able to talk about it. Um, because what other outlet is there? So I, I, I like using it. Uh, it has its advantages and it has very, very, very many disadvantages as well, but it has its advantages. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, thanks everyone for watching. Like I said, please subscribe, please like, uh, the show, like the channel, tell your friends and, uh, let's grow this show together. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. See you next time. Thank you.